yet another busy week for the Trump administration. Basically, the Sharknado of administrations, in that they are spinning out of control, destroying everything in their path. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. We're also heard up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans' WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day of the week for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. A lot to cover today, a lot of breaking news, uh, including, let's see, uh, Desi Doyen, I had just, (laughs) wasn't it, uh, just late last week when when, uh, Rand Paul was pretending Remember, he was pretending he was not going to vote for Mike, CIA Director Mike Pompeo. Yes, I for do Secretary recall of State. that. And remember when I said, yeah, don't believe him. He always buckles. Rand Paul does. He always folds. He always stays with Donald Trump. He always flip flops the very last minute. Yes, I do he recall you saying that. He always pretends that he's going to do something. He's going to stand up to this president. He never does. As we go to air here today, uh, it looks like the Senate Foreign Relations Committee has has just now approved CIA Director Mike Pompeo's nomination to become Secretary of State. Rand Paul has folded, apparently uh, decided that he would vote for uh, Pompeo, after all, to be the Secretary of State, despite uh, Pompeo's long support for foreign wars, for torture, despite the fact that uh, Pompeo, uh, as a congressman, spoke out against marriage equality, which is uh, a rights issue that he will have to deal with around the world. Uh, despite the fact that, as you pointed out, Desi Doyen, I think uh, last week on our Green News report, uh, or whenever that was, <laughs> I've lost all track of time, Mike Pompeo is also... A climate change denier. Yes, he's a total full climate science denier. He'll moderate his views somewhat, I'm sure, in confirmation hearings, but uh, no. 
He's not. He's no. not. He completely he's, denies the yep. science, and and he doesn't believe that humans are having have anything to do with it, and that there should be nothing that is done. And we're supposed to be leading the world, remember, in climate change action. You know, leading the Paris Climate Agreement at the United Nations and all that. So no, we are leading the world. We're leading the world away from climate change action at this point. Uh, also, as we go to air here, uh, news just coming in. It looks like officials say nine people were killed and 16 injured when a man driving a van plowed down pedestrians on a Toronto street. That's just coming in. Officials call this uh, pure carnage. Uh, And back here in the U.S., the mentally unstable gunman who was uh, suspected of opening fire at a Waffle House restaurant in the middle of the night on, what was it, Saturday night, Sunday morning, was uh, has now been arrested not far from his apartment. This was late on Monday after hiding from police for more than a day following the attack that killed four people at that Waffle House and injured at least four others. Authorities had mounted a massive manhunt for 29-year-old Travis Reinking after the Sunday morning attack in which a gunman clad only in a jacket used an AR-15 rifle to kill four and injure others. Metropolitan Nashville Police uh, announced Monday on Twitter that Ryan King was taken into custody uh, after being spotted in a wooded area not far from where he lived in Nashville. When confronted, uh, apparently he laid down on the ground. Officers cuffed him, according to a detective from Nashville PD. Uh, He said that Ryan King carried a black backpack that had within it a silver semi-automatic weapon and 45 caliber ammunition when he was taken in. Ryan King is described as a he's a white man, brown hair. He opened fire with this AR-15 in the middle of the in the middle of the night in the Waffle House parking lot first. And then he stormed the restaurant shortly after 3 a.m. on Sunday. Four people were killed. Uh, For others injured, as I said, uh, before a quick-thinking customer wrestled the weapon away from the shooter, preventing more bloodshed. Ryan King then managed to disappear into the night. Police say that about 20 people were in the Waffle House at the time of the shooting. They included people of varying races and ethnicities, but the four people who were killed were all minorities, three black and one Hispanic. In fact, it was a black man without a gun who confronted the shooter and stopped the shooting in order to save his own life and those of everyone else in that Waffle House. James Shaw Jr., 29-year-old restaurant patron who burned his hand, grabbing the hot muzzle of the assault weapon as he wrestled it away uh, from the gunman. Uh, He's a Nashville native who works as a wireless technician for AT&T. Shaw said he was no hero, despite being hailed as one by Nashville Mayor David Briley. He shot through that door, I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure he grazed my arm. And it was at that time that I kind of made up my mind, because there's no way to lock that door, um, that if it was going to come down to it, he was going to have to work to kill me. So at the time that he was either reloading or the gun jammed or whatever happened is when I ran through the, the swivel door. I hit him with the swivel door, and then the, ga- the gun was kind of jammed up and it was pushed down, so we were scuffling. And uh, I managed to get him 
with one hand on the gun and then I grabbed it from him and I threw it over the countertop and then after that I was trying to get out the door and I think he was pretty much in the entrance way so I just took him out with me out of the entrance and all the way outside so when on my Instagram and Facebook everybody's calling me a hero but I want people to know that I did that completely out of a selfish act um, I was completely doing it just to save myself now me doing that I did save other people but I don't want people to think that I was the Terminator or Superman or anybody like that mm -hmm. to just it was just I figured if I was going to die he was going to have to work for it so I rushed him and it actually worked out into my favor so that was James Shaw Jr., 29-year-old, uh, who uh, saved the day at the Waffle House and kept uh, the carnage from being much worse than it already was. Uh, not a good guy with a gun who saved the day. A good guy with a, a swiveled door uh, and uh, a lot of guts to grab the gun. It wasn't an immigrant or a Muslim or even a black man who committed this latest gun massacre in the U.S. Once again, it was a white guy with uh, ridiculous, easy, ridiculously easy access to ridiculously lethal weapons. Meanwhile, authorities in Illinois shared past reports suggesting multiple red flags about this young man with paranoid delusions, 29-year-old uh, accused shooter Travis Reinking. Uh, in May 2016, Ryan King told the uh, told deputies from Tazewell County, Illinois, that music superstar Taylor Swift was stalking him and hacking his phone, uh, and that his family was also involved. Ryan King agreed to go to a local hospital at some point for an evaluation after repeatedly resisting the request uh, from uh, officials. Another sheriff's report said that Ryan King had barged into a community pool in Tremont, Illinois, last June, jumped into the water uh, wearing a woman's overcoat. Um, investigators believe that he had an AR-15 rifle in his car trunk at that time, but it was never displayed, reportedly, and no charges were filed. Last July, Ryan King was arrested by the U.S. Secret Service after he entered a restricted area near the White House and refused to leave, saying that he wanted to meet President Donald Trump. Ryan King was reportedly not armed at the time of that arrest, but at the FBI's request, state police in Illinois revoked his state firearms card and seized four guns from him, according to authorities. Well, that's nice. Especially since multiple outlets reported on Monday that Ryan King had told uh, Secret Service officers when he was arrested at the time that as a, quote, sovereign citizen who had uh, he had a right to access the White House grounds. Sovereign citizens, according to the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center, believe that they, not judges, not juries or law enforcement or elected officials, get to decide which laws to obey and which ones to ignore. In a tw uh, 2011 law enforcement bulletin, the FBI said that it considered the uh, sovereign citizens to be extremists and comprising a domestic terrorist movement. 
And they counted six law enforcement officers who had been murdered by movement adherents since 2000. Nonetheless, when Ryan King was arrested at the White House by the Secret Service and identified himself as a sovereign citizen, apparently... While that was enough to uh, notify officials in FBI and have this guy's guns taken away, apparently it wasn't enough to keep his father from being given those guns back. His sons, his 29-year-old son's four semi-automatic weapons were given back to the father for some reason. And then that AR-15 was uh, one of those uh, four weapons, uh, an AR-15, was used in the shooting over the weekend uh, it was one of the uh, firearms that was seized after uh, the White House incident, and yet he was still available to use it. Ryan King's father has not acknowledged giving them back to his son, uh, uh, f- has now acknowledged, I should say, giving them back to his son. A federal official says the father could face charges for returning those guns. But why was the father given those guns back at all? And why was it so easy for a guy, a 29-year-old man, with uh, you know clearly a record of trouble in his life, Why was it so easy in this country for that man to buy four different semi-automatic weapons? Because these are the United States of America. I guess that's the answer. Uh, Adam Best, a progressive filmmaker, tweeted, Disturbed white shooter opens fire on victims with AR-15 and would have killed more if he wasn't disarmed by an unarmed black hero. The uh, Waffle House James Shaw Jr. story totally dismantles the right-wing fantasy that white good guys with guns are saving us from a minority hellscape. Uh, We'll uh, open up the phones in a little bit to take your calls on anything and everything that we happen to talk about today. Our phone number is 818-985-5735-818. 985-KPFK. Late last week, we spent some time detailing how uh, Republicans faced uh, with a potential, I should say emphasis on potential, blue wave that may be coming at them this November are now attempting to undermine democracy itself any way that they can. Never mind trying to win elections the old-fashioned way by uh, lying about stuff. Uh, And, you know, calling their opponents terrorists, though they continue to do both of those things as well. Never mind voter suppression to keep people from uh, voting on Election Day however they can, though they continue to to do that as well. Now they're trying to change uh, the very way that elections are held in this country or more specifically prevent them from being held wherever and however they can. We've been talking in, in recent weeks about one episode after another of Republicans trying to prevent elections from happening at all as uh, their fortunes seem to be turning south this year. That includes uh, Scott Walker, Republican governor of Wisconsin, trying to prevent special elections, two special elections from being held to fill from being held to fill two state legislative seats in Republican in Republican districts. He does not want those elections to happen. Following a huge loss in uh, in a special election for state Senate last January in Wisconsin, which ended up flipping a long-held Republican seat in an area that had gone for Trump in 2016, uh, that seat was uh, flipped from red to blue, given the uh, turnout, given the state of the nation right now. 
Scott Walker did not want to call those two new elections after three different judges, including one appointed by Walker himself, excoriated him for refusing to call a date for these two special elections, and the state legislature itself was trying to call an emergency legislative session to change the law itself. That's how much they really don't want to have elections uh, as much as they can in the state of Wisconsin. Well, Walker eventually agreed to call the uh, special elections when his court options uh, pretty much ran out. That was in Wisconsin. In Arizona, the state legislature tried to sneak in an emergency provision to change state law to prevent Senator John McCain's Senate seat from being filled for some two and a half years in case McCain is forced to vacate his uh, Senate seat in the next month or so due to the brain cancer that he is currently battling. In Arizona, they tried to use this emergency provision to just change the law, but they were caught doing it. They were embarrassed, and none of the Democrats in the uh, state legislature in, Al- in Arizona agreed to it. And to pass this emergency measure, they would have had to have two-thirds support in both houses. So that was pulled back, but not for lack of trying by Arizona Republicans and in Michigan. Republican Governor Rick Scott has simply refused to—I'm uh, sorry, Rick Snyder— uh, has uh, has simply refused to call a special election to fill the seat that was vacated by Democratic Congressman John Conyers in Detroit, a very blue area, certain to go Democratic. Well, Rick, uh, Rick Snyder is just not calling an election at all. We can fill that in November. That following Conyers' resignation last year after allegations of sexual misconduct. I think he actually uh, left Congress before Trent Franks in Arizona, or at least it was right around the same time. But there's a special House election on Tuesday to fill Trent Franks's seat in Arizona because the Arizona uh, U.S. House special election law requires one to happen. And because the uh, Republican governor there, Governor Ducey, uh, probably thinks that it's going to be uh, filled by a Republican. We'll see if he's right about that after polls close on Tuesday. But um, it's even worse than that in Michigan, not calling this election. We're, we very closely on this show in late 2016 and 2017 covered the attempted but ultimately failed effort by Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein to seek hand recounts after the stunning 2016 presidential election. She tried to get hand recounts um, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, and in Pennsylvania, wherever paper ballots happen to be available in, uh, in Pennsylvania. But the case in Michigan, where Trump is said to have won the state in 2016 in a shocking upset by just over 10,000 votes, out of more than 5 million cast, that was especially egregious in that Republicans, they went to court uh, and were successfully able to shut down the hand count that had begun in the state after Stein had raised and forked over about a million dollars for attempted citizen oversight of that shocking election where a uh, Republican had not won in almost 30 years for president. But she was not allowed to carry out that recount, despite her willingness to pay for it, to have it done. It was blocked by uh, by the state courts. 
And now state legislators in Michigan are trying to make sure that such an attempt to ensure ballots are counted accurately, they are trying to work to make sure that never happens again. Political candidates who lose big will not be able to seek a recount under this legislation that is nearing Michigan Governor Rick Scott's desk. The Republican-led Senate voted 27 to 8 last week for legislation upping the standards for election recounts to require that aggrieved candidates prove they have a reasonable chance of victory in such a count. Remember, they have to do this before They are allowed to pay for their own hand count under this. They would have to prove it. The House also voted 93 to 16 to pass this legislation uh, to uh, double losing candidates fees to recount votes if they lost more by more than five percentage points. So they're making it harder in every way they can for there to be citizen oversight for a candidate who has questions about the results, for voters who have questions about the results, to find out if the computers that counted the hand-marked paper ballots across uh, the state of Michigan actually counted them accurately. Those bills will soon go to the governor. Currently, candidates must allege that they believe that they are aggrieved due to fraud or mistake in order to petition for a recount. Republican State Rep. Jim Lilly, who's a sponsor of the bill that passed the Senate, said that his legislation was born of the 2016 elections, what he describes as the drawn-out aftermath in Michigan, where Jill Stein triggered a recount after Donald Trump's uh, stunning defeat of Hillary Clinton by 10,704 votes out of more than 5 million cast. Lilly said the last election cycle just brought to light something with our election law in Michigan that could be exploited. I didn't want to see somebody taking advantage of that again, said Lilly. So it didn't bring to light to him how terrible Michigan recount laws were. It didn't bring to light to him that some 60,000 votes in Detroit alone were not allowed to be recounted at all, even before they stopped the uh, the, the court ordered uh, stoppage of the count there. Thanks to Michigan's arcane law that uh, prevents the hand tally of ballots at all, if the number of ballots differs from the number of signatures in the poll books by even one vote, they weren't even allowed to look at some 60,000 of those votes because the number was slightly off. The number of ballots in the box versus the number of signatures in the book. Therefore, they weren't allowed to count them. Whatever was counted by the computers on election night is what would stand. Okay, say that one more time. Uh, which part? The number of ballots did not match. Right. If there was if the the number of ballots that they counted in the ballot box that were delivered on election night, let's say there was 200 ballots that were uh, brought in that night. Okay. uh, But only 199 people or 201 people had signed into the books. That means no hand count at all. No check. No, no checking at all. They can't. The the candidate cannot. Uh, well, they can ask for a recount, but they will not get it. Whatever wow. they recorded, whatever the computers recorded on election night, that's it. That's going to stand. There will be no change. And that was under the existing law. And instead of fixing that, they're making it even harder for there to be any kind of citizen oversight. 
so you know it, it's incredible that this is what it brought this is what uh, this is the response that Michigan lawmakers had to what happened in 2016 with their crappy election system and their impossible uh, uh, to recount system they're making it e- the, they're raising the bar to even higher for actual citizen oversight of our election results According to AP, Stein's efforts ultimately escalated into a legal uh, tangle with a state appeals court that terminated the recount upon ruling that her 1% share of the vote does not qualify her as, quote, aggrieved. So this new bill in the uh, Michigan Senate would uh, codify the judge's order on Stein's recount, which Lilly described as, quote, clearly frivolous. So asking for a hand count when there was just a 10,000 vote margin out of millions of vote casts in Michigan, that is, quote, clearly frivolous as they see it in the state of Michigan. Despite one of the most shocking presidential election results in American history, a state that hadn't gone Republican in a presidential race for decades, almost 30 years, that was clearly frivolous. Senator Lilly, really? Democratic Senate Minority Leader in Michigan, Jim Ananick, uh, I think that's how you say his name, he voted no for this bill because he believes all candidates should have the right to pursue a recount if they are willing to pay the cost. He said, I fundamentally don't like limiting people's access. He is a Democrat from Flint, Michigan, where they know a thing or two about what it's like to lose one's democracy. Jill Stein's recount showed, uh, he said, uh, showed mistakes and have led to improvements in our election process. Those things would not have come out if the recount hadn't happened, even that partial recount that was allowed um, before the Republicans went to court to stop it dead in its tracks. Stein's Michigan recall campaign spurred spurred, uh, widespread confusion over irregularities that were found in over one third of Detroit precincts. Since then, Michigan's Secretary of State has announced there will be manual election results. Um, those are set to debut this year uh, in this year's midterm elections. We'll see how those go. Wisconsin, in the meantime, another state uh, chosen in the 2016 uh, election for a recount by Jill Stein. Uh, they have already passed laws restricting future requests, making it harder there. The uh, the count was allowed to be completed in in Wisconsin, but not with not by hand. Uh, counties could choose to simply run the same paper ballots through the same computers that counted them in the first place, uh, and then call that a recount. Uh, yeah, you had a. a I just I, I'm noticing yeah. a running theme here that they're uh, that Republicans in these state legislatures are erecting barriers to recounts. They're erecting barriers to voting. It's yeah. like they don't want you to recount your elections and they don't want you to vote. Isn't that odd? Yeah. So it, it again underscores that it really does matter to pay attention who is in your state legislature. Two more quick points here I want to get to before we get to our break, and then we'll come back. Uh, We can talk about, uh, well, whatever you want to talk about. I was hoping to get to uh, some some special counsel Robert Mueller news, some Donald Trump news, whether he's going to be indicted, impeached, all sorts of things. You can give us a call on that or anything else or this. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. But let me hit this first because, uh, you know, all right. Let's let's start uh, here on this one. Um, that's how the GOP rolls when it comes to elections and stopping them from happening. They're obvious. They're against them. 
But when it comes to voting, uh, at least for some people, well, they are against that as well, at least certain people when they try to vote, as another new story out today reminds us. But first, to, to, to give this context, let me go back to just last month, late in March, when, according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram uh, 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 in Tarrant County, Texas, a judge late in March sentenced 43-year-old Crystal Mason to five years in prison for voting illegally in the 2016 presidential election while she was on supervised release from a 2008, uh, 2011 fraud conviction. Uh, her defense attorney told the court that she was never told that she couldn't vote and she voted in good faith. Why? Why? He said, why should she risk going back to prison for something that is not going to change her life? Mason is an African-American woman. She is just uh, one of more than six million felons in the U.S., according to a report released in 2016 by the Sentencing Project, who are barred from voting. Nearly 500,000 in Texas alone are ineligible to vote, were ineligible to vote in 2016. Crystal Mason uh, apparently had no idea that after she had served her time as a felon, she got a three-year sentence. She had served just shy of that uh, those three years. Uh, she had no idea that she was not allowed to vote. She was in prison because she had helped clients receive improper refunds as a tax preparer. And during her testimony, she told the court that she was assigned a provisional ballot after she arrived at her usual polling place and discovered her name was not on the voter rolls. Mason said she was told by the federal court that her um, by the federal court, her supervision officer, uh, the election workers or the U.S. district judge uh, who had uh, sentenced her in her fraud case. None of those people, she said, or those courts or those judges, none of them told her that she would not be able to vote in elections once she got out of prison until she finished serving her sentence, including supervised release. Sacrificing her freedom to vote was not something that she would know, uh, knowingly do, Mason told the judge at her trial. She said, Mason said, I inflated tax returns. I was trying to get more money back for my clients. I admitted that. I owned up to that. I took accountability for that. I would never do that again. She said, I was happy enough to come home and see my daughter graduate. My son is about to graduate. Why would I jeopardize that? Not to vote. She said, I didn't even want to go vote. Her mother convinced her she should go vote. After the, uh, the the hearing on this, Mason was taken straight to jail after the conclusion of her trial. And uh, a chorus of small children could be heard, uh, seen waving and, and heard saying, bye bye, big mama. Mason testified uh, that she had remade her, remade herself since a release from prison, including she uh, got a degree in a new field. She got a new job. She had gone to vote at her mother's insistence, brought her driver's license as identification, according to her testimony. And when poll workers could not find her name on the list of registered voters, Mason said she was given a provisional ballot and she was coached through how to f how to fill out the, the, the affidavit process by a poll worker who did not inform her she could not vote. That case, she got five years in prison. This 43-year-old black woman, 
five years in prison for voting, unknowingly voting illegally. That case followed another in Tarrant County, Texas, where 37-year-old Rosa Maria Ortega, mother of four who had a green card, she drew national attention for, for this case because she was convicted of voting illegally in 2012 in the general election and then in the uh, 2014 Republican primary runoff because she thought as a permanent resident, she's been here for years, she thought that she was allowed to vote uh, with a green card as a permanent resident. She, this immigrant, she received a sentence of eight years in prison for voting, despite not knowing uh, that she was not allowed to do so. So the African-American woman, she goes to jail for five years for casting one vote. The Hispanic immigrant goes to jail for eight years for voting twice. In both cases, the women believe they were allowed to do so, which brings us to what happened in Tarrant County today. To a Tarrant County judge, a justice of the peace, a white judge, in case that matters, for whom the law seems to be very different than it does for those two other women. Justice of the peace Russ Casey pleaded guilty Monday to tampering with a government record and resigned after an investigation showed that he turned in fake signatures to secure a place on the March 6 Republican primary ballot. The embattled judge who worked in uh, northeast Tarrant County, Texas, was sentenced to two years in jail, but that was probated over five years. In other words, he was given five years probation and will not have to serve one day in jail for fraudulent, fraudulent, knowing, knowingly, purposely faking signatures to put himself on the ballot as a candidate for this year's election. The type of election fraud uh, that a former felon or an immigrant with a, with a green card might have, you know, knowingly cast one single vote in such an election. One single vote, they go to jail for five years and eight years. This guy fakes, we don't know how many, uh, dozens and dozens of signatures in order to get on the ballot at all to become a judge and, and make, a, what is it, $125,000 a year as an elected official, as a judge... He gets off with a slap in the wrist. Five years probation, won't have to serve one day in jail for any of that. He said, I apologize to the citizens of Tarrant County, the Tarrant County Republican Party, my family and friends for the way that I have ended my judicial career. He said, I ask for forgiveness and respect for our privacy, uh, our family and friends as our privacy as we go through this transition. Well, at least he gets to go through that transition with his family and friends instead of in prison. By the way, all he had to do was get 250 signatures. He's been an elected judge in Tarrant County since 2007. But when others began to question the signatures, finding them to have been faked, he withdrew his candidacy. The case was then turned over to law enforcement. The investigation determined that many of the signatures on the petition that Casey submitted were false and that Casey had signed the form saying that he witnessed all the signatures, according to the Tarrant County District Attorney's Office. So this guy knew what he was doing as a judge and was fraudulent, fraudulently attempting to place himself on the ballot for a state job that pays $125,000 a year. And yet he's largely off the hook. District Attorney Sharon Wilson of Tarrant County said no one is above the law in Tarrant County. 
But I guess some get to skirt accountability more than others, it seems, even in the same county and even after having a record of, of, of being in trouble before this judge did. Last year, Casey was reprimanded for having an improper sexual relationship with a former clerk by the State Commission on Judicial Conduct. Casey, uh, whose term was set to expire in January of 2019, had even filed a lawsuit seeking that his GOP challengers in this primary, in this March primary, trying to get them thrown off the ballot for, wait for it, an invalid number of signatures on on their uh, candidacy petitions. By the way, there is no Democrat seeking the post in, uh, in November for justice of the peace for some reason in Tarrant County. So the guy who won the, the Republican, who won the primary in March, he will be the new justice of the peace there. When asked about Casey's sentence in comparison to the sentences that the African-American woman, Crystal Mason, had received after voting while on probation, not knowing that she was not allowed to. And that Rosa Maria Ortega, the green card holder who didn't know she wasn't allowed to vote, after being asked about that, the prosecutor, Matt Smid, noted that, well, Casey pled guilty. I guess the other women didn't. Casey pled guilty rather than going to trial. He, quote, accepted accountability for what he did. I guess that's the difference. Accountability? Not much, uh, I guess, at least if you're a Republican white guy in power. Add uh, all of that to the uh, contempt of court charge, for example. The second one that we talked about uh, late last week issued by a federal George W. Bush appointed judge against Kansas Republican Secretary of State Chris Kobach who, despite being slapped twice with contempt of court during uh, trials regarding his attempts to keep 30,000 Kansans from voting because they didn't offer proof of citizenship papers when registering to vote, uh, Kobach uh, is still considered the front runner to become the next governor of the state of Kansas. What do you have to do to be a powerful white Republican in charge in this country to face any real accountability that even as Donald Trump was tweeting over the weekend to Michael Cohen trying to say, oh, he's a wonderful fan. He's got a wonderful family. I could never see him flipping. Flipping? Flipping for what? Flipping against Donald Trump? Yeah, apparently so. Apparently, Donald Trump did something that he thinks someone might flip about. We'll see if we have time for that after this break. I know I'm running insanely late. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. This is what happens after a busy weekend. 818-985-KPFK. We'll take a quick break and we're back for more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you.
back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Let me get to some of your calls. I'm running way late. Again, as usual, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Gigi in Pasadena. Hey, Gigi, welcome to the Bradcast. Hi, Brad. Love you to death. Thank um, you. Listen, I'm going to talk about your first, about the, the guy that uh, killed the people at the Waffle House. Yep. I believe um, you know what I find it, my comment is, and I also find that uh, you covered it beautifully, very well. But uh, I would just add, and isn't it interesting that um, these guys go in, uh, the white guys do these mass killings. Um, the cops get to them finally. Now they know that they've already committed murders, and they know what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. I find it extraordinary that every time they manage to take them alive. Yep. And I'm not saying that I want any more death. No. I don't want anyone to get it twisted. But every time, on the other hand, they stop a black guy yep. um, and, and everything, probably 8 out of 10, maybe 7 out of 10, yep. maybe eight or 9 out of 10, just for stopping to check or you made an illegal turn or something, he man- they managed to end up with... 12 and 25 bullets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, you're driving while black with your with your uh, taillight out. You will end up dead. But in this case, go uh, massacre uh, four people, uh, shoot another four with an automatic rifle at a Waffle House in the middle of the night, and you'll be taken in peacefully by the by the police, apparently. Every time. Yep. Every time. Love you, babe. Thank Love you. Up. Love you back. Appreciate that, Gigi. Uh, let me go to 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's hit uh, Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Mo. How are you, sir? Hey, I love you, Brad. Listen, but we all need to understand that Americans, we, we, we feel that it's better to have our rights to guns than our rights to, to health care. Um, that's just how we roll. A sociologist yep. by the name of Jackie Orr once said that American uh, society, our civil society, is psychologically organized, Brad, for the production of violence. To that I say, no kidding. And, and lastly, I want to say, there's a book called White Protestant Nation. I forget the guy's name, and I read the thing. You know, when Bush won in 2000, do you know they stopped that recount down there? They stopped oh, that yeah. recount. Oh, yeah. And uh, one answer... Well, oh, yeah, and a lot, a lot of people think more, more. A lot of people think, uh, well, well, uh, that's uh, George uh, W. Bush ended up winning, had more votes. No, they stopped the re. We were never allowed to have the hand count in the state of Florida, the presidential hand count, despite the fact that uh, the margin, the final margin, ended up being what was it, three hundred and forty-seven votes? Tight. Yeah. And uh, even then, we weren't allowed to actually count actual ballots. And they pretend today that, oh, we couldn't count them. They were just impossible to read because of the swinging chads, the hanging chads. No, they were perfectly readable. Uh, The Bush, uh, George W. Bush clan went to the Supreme Court to prevent those ballots from being counted. Yeah. It made Scalia a hero. And by the way, Brad, say something about the Social Democratic Party. That's the third party that's coming up. They, they went from like 5,000 to 15,000, which is nothing in a country, 340 million. But, and it's got to be a millennial uh, party. Uh, but anyway, I don't know much about it. Maybe you do. And, and go ahead and post bail for Mr. Cohen. <laughs> Get him out of jail and let him represent the people and fighting those evil guys because he's the only guy that really knows where all the bodies are dead. <laughs> Michael, Michael Cohen. All right. Thanks, Morris. I appreciate that. And of course, you are welcome to uh, talk about the Social Democratic Party or any other party you want. All I'm, all I'm trying to do is make sure that everyone gets to vote, no matter what party it's for, and that their votes get to, are, are counted, and they are counted accurately, and they are counted accurately in a way that we know that they are counted accurately. 
All right, I told you I was running late, so let me do this. Let me get out and uh, take a quick break, and we'll get back to some of your calls. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. We haven't even talked about embattled Missouri Governor uh, Eric Greitens now facing a second felony charge, and he's still refusing to resign and leave. Is that going to give us some sort of idea what happens if and when Robert Mueller ever charges uh, Donald Trump with anything or issues a report saying, hey, yeah, he committed felonies. Uh, Eric Greitens is just saying, uh, oh, it's the liberal media. It's a witch hunt, witch hunt out to get me. We'll try to get to that after this break. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back to your Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. All right, very quickly here. Scandal-plagued Republican Missouri Governor Eric Greitens was charged with a second felony on Friday night, this one for allegedly illegally obtaining a donor list from a charity and using it for fundraising efforts in his gubernatorial campaign. Missouri's Attorney General Josh Hawley said in a statement following the new charge that these are serious charges and an important reminder that no one is above the law in Missouri. Like all criminal defendants, Governor Greitens is presumed innocent under the law until proven guilty. The computer tampering charge came after Hawley had announced earlier in the week that investigators had discovered the evidence that Greitens obtained the donor list from the veterans charity that he ran. One called The Mission Continues. Greitens was elected uh, to, uh, to uh, governor in Missouri as a Republican in 2016. Greitens denies any wrongdoing. Of course he does, but that's the least of his problems. A grand jury had previously indicted Greitens back in February with an invasion of privacy charge for allegedly taking a nude photo of a woman with whom he was having an affair in 2015 and trying to use it to blackmail her. When he took that foot, he had allegedly tied her up in the basement of his house, took her clothes off, snapped the photos and threatened that he would release them if she ever told anybody. The woman also recently offered graphic testimony to Missouri state lawmakers about what happened, claiming that uh, Greitens had slapped her when she told him that she had had sex with her own husband and forced her into uh, uh, sexual acts against her will, even as she sobbed uncontrollably during all of this. That's according to the report from the Republican-controlled Missouri legislature. The governor has admitted to the affair, but has denied the woman's allegations of blackmail, violence, sexual coercion. Attorney General 
Hawley, a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate uh, to run against Democrat Claire McCaskill this November, uh, and other prominent Republicans in the state have called for Greitens to resign uh, as they worry about uh, the embattled uh, governor and how that could weigh down the entire party this November in Missouri. Greitens has nonetheless refused to step aside and insists that the allegations made about him are all part of a witch hunt. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh, That's exactly what uh, Donald Trump has been doing, uh, claiming that this is all a witch hunt by the liberal media. That's what Greitens has been saying. We have been viciously attacked by the liberal media and their allies, and apparently their allies uh, include the Republican state attorney general and Republican lawmakers in the state house in Missouri. That's what Greitens told, uh, talking about the vicious attacks by the liberal media and their allies. That's what he told a Republican Lincoln Day dinner in Texas County, Missouri, on Saturday night after this second felony charge. And after all of these Republicans are calling for him to resign. Are you kidding me? Uh, so is this a preview of how Donald Trump would behave if if he were indicted with felonies at this point and or impeached by the U.S. House? Uh, you know, none of that stepping down gracefully as Richard Nixon did with these guys, seemingly charge them with felonies. They're going to hang in there as long as they possibly can. I talked about I've talked about that point, And I know there's a lot of folks. So let me get to your calls. I had to, I'll just point you back to my uh, one of my interviews last week, with Randall Elias and former U.S. assistant attorney, um, former assistant U.S. attorney. There we go. Um, about whether Donald Trump can or cannot be indicted, whether Robert Mueller and uh, uh, Rod Rosenstein would allow an indictment or if an indictment might come down um, that can't be prosecuted right now but might be prosecuted later on after Trump is out of office one way or another. I'll just point you to bradblog.com. You can download that fascinating interview with Randall Eliason on all of those points. Um, but these folks don't go easily. Not anymore. Uh, let me go to Kim in Pasadena. Hey, Kim, welcome to the broadcast. Yes, uh, thank you, Brad. Um, I don't have anything specific. I just, I'm just calling to commend you on your great research and muckraking. I hope you continue to expose these phonies and frauds and uh, keep up the good work. It's very much appreciated out here in the trenches. Thank you, Kim. I really appreciate uh, that call as well. Very kind of you to uh, to say. Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Nicole in Los Angeles. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Um, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Oh, good. I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm calling because I just wanted to make just like a really quick comment about the shooter um, at Waffle House. Yeah. Um, I just, I just wanted to say that the minute that the news broke and I kept reading and hearing about it, right away I knew that this white guy had killed like mostly black people because they never ever tell you mm. when it's a black person, black people being killed, not doing the, you know, the crime, mm-hmm. but, be, but being the victim. They never mention that. Mm. And so I just wanted to thank KPFK for just. You know, it, it's being around and being 
reports come in and just reporting the facts. And it's just really sad because, like, corporate news is not just fake news. It's either no news or partial news. Yeah. And so I find that extremely frustrating. And that's just another form of structural racism, you know, within this country. And so I'm just, like, really thankful for you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, we're thankful for you, uh, as are uh, not just KPFK, but all of the stations that uh, carry the broadcast all across the country, uh, trying to uh, counter the stuff and nonsense that seems to take up so much of our uh, of our corporate media. So I'm, I'm glad it's appreciated, Nicole, and I, I really appreciate your uh, calling in with that thought. Thank you. 818, you. you bet. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Um, Barbara Bush, as you know, former first lady, was laid to rest over the weekend. We're now getting breaking word um, just uh, seconds ago here that former President George H.W. Bush has been hospitalized in intensive care. Uh, just days after the funeral of his wife. I uh, don't have more details than that. That is just breaking from uh, several different sources, including CNN and Fox News. So um, there you go. And uh, speaking of the Bushes, uh, and good point, uh, Des uh, writes here (laughs) on my screen here, we were talking about the 2000, the Florida 2000 attempted Recount that was stopped by the Republicans, George H.W. Bush's son, George W. Bush, who went to the Supreme Court to prevent ballots from being counted at all in the state of Florida. Uh, Des uh, reminds me here that uh, back in uh, 2000, after that aborted uh, count, there was a media consortium who went and recounted the ballots after it was too late to do anything about it actually hand counted uh, ballots across the state and found that no matter how you had counted them, no matter what standards you had used to count hanging uh, chads, swinging chads, anything else, had all of the ballots across the entire state of Florida been counted that Al Gore, in fact, would have won the state and the presidency along with it. Back in uh, 2000. And, you know, I'm hoping there is a media consortium out there trying to do the same thing to make public records requests for the for the ballots in Wisconsin, Michigan and where they exist in Pennsylvania, where there's not many of them because they use mostly uh, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen systems in Pennsylvania. But I'm hoping that someone out there is attempting to uh, preserve those ballots from 2016 beyond the 22-month federal deadline that they must be uh, kept so that maybe someday we can find out who actually did win in 2016. Wouldn't that be nice to know? Let me go to uh, Michael in Los Angeles. Hey, Michael, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hello, sir. I just want to commend you on all your hard work. I'm in media. I know how much preparation goes into what you do. Real Thank quickly, uh, under the New York uh venue elections have consequences this year mantra which we all appreciate so mayor bloomberg apparently has uh offered to i guess equalize the amount that we pulled out of the paris agreement and so i'm just wondering if that will ever be challenged and if so if the stolen gorsuch seat mm-hmm. would be an influence if it ever went that far on uh that ruling if he's able to put up that kind of money 
I, I, well, you know, uh, yeah, and it's billions of dollars. So I would actually be surprised. I hadn't read that about uh, uh, Bloomberg being willing to pay some amount of money. The money that we're talking about, I think, goes into uh, a green fund. I can't uh, get details. Des is on the phone here, but uh, the 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 fund that uh, Des that we pay that the U.S. is supposed to pay in yes. the Paris Climate Accord is yes. that for a green fund to help uh, yeah, developing countries? It's an international. Yeah. It's called the Green Climate Fund, basically, and. And, and it is the um, developed countries, rich countries, since, you know, we're the ones that are primarily responsible for the majority of historical emissions, um, and that poor countries, developing countries, have not been uh, responsible for that. Therefore, we should assist them in developing uh, new technologies, in uh, developing renewable energy so they can skip over the polluting fossil fuel phase of development that contributes to the problem. So, yeah, we're supposed to be and- uh, donating all of this money to this fund. Other nations are doing that. The European Union union is trying to take up the slack that sounds like that's what bloomberg is doing and our as well. caller uh, michael yeah it says that bloomberg would be paying the u.s's part that seems like too much money i don't even think bloomberg only, has that much money he's does he? not it, it's actually 4.5 million so it's that's not, it that's it for now that's what he said he's only put donating 4.5 oh, okay. million and that's only to cover some of the uh u.s commitment. that's okay that's what he's putting in that's, that's not the putting. u.s commitment no, itself is, is much larger no, it's like a, uh, i forget yeah. how much it is but yeah it's in the billions yeah. We're supposed to be giving. Thanks. Hey, Michael, uh, does that answer your question or comment, sort of? Yeah, yes, sir, absolutely. I'm just wondering if the uh, biased liberal media is going to commend him because, uh, of course, the conservatives always want to commend private citizens to step up <laughs> to do these things. So I haven't heard anything about it. There you go. Yeah, no, I didn't even know about the report, so I appreciate you letting me know. We will look into that, uh, no doubt, for a future broadcast. Uh, Michael, I appreciate uh, your call and everyone else who I could not get to. My apologies. Uh, But thank you for calling in. We will be back with you again tomorrow for another thrilling broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my soundboard operator, D'Angelo Jones, today, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can drop me email as well. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.